Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This 24-part series on interpreting the book of Revelation was given at Tungling Bible College in Singapore back in 2002. Be sure to get a copy of the textbook by the same title, available from Amazon in your region in paperback and ebook formats, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. Let me just run through this before we get on to chapter 11. So summarizing uh, the different views and the third view that I, I, I would hold, the third view, the Christian millennium. So uh, this is what it would be like. You don't have to take this down. How many would like a copy of this? Everybody say please. Okay, 70 weeks in determined upon your people, upon your holy city, Jerusalem, and upon your people, Judah. So from the going forth of the commandment in BC 457 shall be 7 weeks and 62 weeks, or 69 weeks in all. Unto Messiah the Prince. The Messiah the Prince comes and confirms the covenant with signs and wonders with many for one week. Baptism in Jordan, crucifixion, three and a half years. And then uh, the, the, the people of Prince that should come, the Roman people, the Prince that should come, Prince Titus, will destroy the city and the sanctuary in AD 70. When Jesus was cut off on Calvary, he made reconciliation for iniquity, caused sacrifice and oblation to cease, and made possible finishing transgression, end of sins, bringing in everlasting faith, righteousness, seal up vision, prophecy. We still have vision and prophecy with us not yet completed, anoint the most holy. Most holy was ten by ten by ten, a thousand cubits, pointing to the kingdom age, a thousand years of a Christian millennium. The overspreading of abominations of desolation, period of time spread over the church, and then in the midst of the week, and then we have until that determined, which will be poured upon the desolate, and the final half of the week, the consummation is Revelation 11, 12, 13, and then the consummation, second coming, when all these clauses will be totally fulfilled. That's the picture. So seeing you said, please, very nicely, we'll get you a copy of that. And remember, copy it right. <laughs> okay, let's turn to page nine, or if you've got any space somewhere. So, uh, honestly, how many felt just looking at those three views culture at least? Okay, now you'll just have to find a blank bit of paper here. Let's turn over to Revelation chapter 11 just for two or three verses. And we're not taking much time on, on, on it because you're supposed to have read it. Alright, let's read uh, Revelation chapter 11. And we'll just take verses 1 through to 6 uh, for the present. And it was given me a reed like unto a rod, a measuring rod. And the angel, the messenger, stood saying, and, and you see, here's a little point, and just a good point in mind, because people say, well, Kevin, how can you say that that angel is the Lord Jesus Christ? So the angel is here, the angel's back here. Okay, the reason I can say that is say, the angel stood, this messenger, the mighty angel, is the Lord Jesus Christ, because he says, 
uh, the angel stood said, Rise, measure the temple of God. Then he says in verse 3, I will give power unto my two witnesses. So no ordinary angel has my two witnesses. My two witnesses, the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's the word messenger. And because we're seeing the Lord Jesus Christ, where he's the high priest, judge the Lamb, the Jehovah angel, the sealing angel, whatever, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because no one office is complete to show us all the glory of Christ. So I'm happy to see why, at least why I say what I do, that the Jehovah angel, the mighty angel, is the Lord Jesus Christ, because he's still talking. And he says to, to John, I'll give power to my two witnesses, and my two witnesses, see? So, so that's the picture we have. All right, uh, measure the temple, uh, the altar, and them that worship therein, but the court, which is without the temple, leave out, cast out, literally, measure not, for it's given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot uh, forty and two months. So I give power to my two witnesses, they'll prophesy twelve hundred sixty days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and two candlesticks, or lampstands, uh, standing before the God of the whole earth, or the God of the earth. And if any man shall hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth, devours their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power of waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will, and so forth. Now, let's just look at the picture here. And so, uh, th th this is what we want to look at here, having hopefully established this. So, Revelation chapter 11, I've said this before, but repetition, best teacher. Revelation chapter 11 basically concerns Jewry, or what we say modern Israel, the Jews, and Jerusalem. So we say, well, what about the Israel problem? What about Jerusalem? What's going on in the middle? What about that? So Revelation basically deals with that. Revelation chapter 12 deals with the church or the woman and we'll talk about that uh, another session the church in this same three and a half years you'll notice what happens to Jewry and Jerusalem in three and a half years concerning the church in this period of great tribulation three and a half years then Revelation chapter 13 right through to uh, yeah, 18, 19 is the second coming has to do with the world and what is happening in the world in the same period of time, three and a half years. So here we have the image, the mark, and the beast, and so forth. So if you can sort of get that picture, all the same period of time, all the last half of the 70-week prophecy. But here, what about the Jews? Jerusalem, three and a half years. What about the church? That's a lie. The church in that period of time, three and a half years. What about the world in this period of time? That, that's, that's the simplest way to sort of handle that. So I want to follow this outline here uh, that we've got here. Um, the fir first thing uh, you can take down here, just, just take this down you know, a little bit of time. We'll have a running commentary here. The chapter opens up, and uh, to do this properly, I'd want, I'd want four hours to tell you the truth. It opens up with the divine measuring and John is given by the Jehovah angel Lord Jesus Christ a measuring rod. So the measuring rod is the word of God. That's, that's the thing. We don't measure one another by one another. This is the measuring rod, the word of God. John represents apostolic ministry. Number two, uh, I can only give an outline on this. There's no way I can, you know, it takes me three hours to do this properly. 
these first two verses. There are three things he's told to measure. Letter A, he's told to measure the temple. Letter B, he's told to measure the altar. And I just have to say by way of interpretation, not the altar of brass, the altar of incense. And number three, or letter C, he's told to measure the worshippers. That's a whole three hours message right there. So, some measure up to this divine standard, but then you'll notice, number three here, there are some that do not measure up. So, hope you're listening, there's more in this than meets the ear. So, measure the temple of God, measure the old, measure the wood, but cast out the outer court. So, those in the outer court do not measure up. So, what is it all pointing to? One picture, just one picture, no way we can exhaust it. One picture is some Christians are going to measure up and some are not going to measure up. Yeah. Mm. So that's it. Some are overcomers and some are overcome. So that's that simple. I'd like to measure up. And Paul says, you know, that God has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers till we all come to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. He's the measuring rod. Okay. Alright, so we'll just leave that. Now, under number three, the unmeasured, I want you to notice several significant things. Letter A, it is left out. So the temple, the altar, the worship of measured, but letter A, the unmeasured, the outer court is left out. The word actually is leave it out or literally cast it out. The court, so those in the outer court picture here do not measure up. More than that than we see here. Alright, and letter B, do not measure it. So, it's like the sealed and the unsealed, the measured, the unmeasured. So, do not measure it. Letter C, it has been given to the Gentiles. Letter C, just an outline. And then letter, maybe C, D, I think, I'm two minutes letters here. But, uh, letter D, they will tread the holy city underfoot, 42 months. Right, so the whole vision he has to do with this three and a half years. I can't sort of uh, develop it too much, but it has to do with that period of time. So, verse 1 measured and those not measured. Alright, now, in verse uh, 3, we'll move on to this part here. The two witnesses, so just want to give you sort of an idea of that, the two witnesses. And, uh, just sort of leave a little bit of space for a comment here. Uh, over, over my years, I've heard so many weird ideas about the two witnesses. And uh, I'd just like to give you two, three, not too many, there's enough in the text. Uh, I've heard, like, uh, interpretation that two witnesses are the Old and the New Testaments. Now, that to me is weird because we're told later on that their bodies lie in the street of Jerusalem three and a half days. Now, can you picture the Old and the New Testament lying in the streets of Jerusalem three and a half days? Right? And then another one I've heard is that, uh, uh, that it's the, um, uh, the, the, yeah, what have I got here? Yeah, that it's the uh, two churches in the book of Revelation that had no fault against them, Smyrna and Philadelphia. I've heard so many, uh, I mean, some of the stuff I've read, I've read on Revelation, I think, they must have eaten pork in a Jewish synagogue. <laughs> <laughs> to come up with some of those ideas. I've heard like about, you know, the, uh, 
uh, uh, look, I won't be fire your minds with it. <laughs> I think if we let the Bible interpret the Bible, we get a good clue. So, I'll give power to my two witnesses and I'll prophesy and so forth. All right, so let's say it right here. So, number one, the two witnesses, their number is two. Okay, just a running commentary on this part here. Two is always the number of witness. In the mouth of one witness, the word would not be established, but in the mouth of two or three witnesses, the word would be established. So Jesus here chooses two witnesses, number of testimony. So number two. And number two here, their ministry. What is their ministry? All right, their ministry is in Jerusalem, the city of God. There's no, no mistake about that. Uh, I, I'm not going to waste time on some of the allegorical stuff. Let's go to... Um, Verse, uh, yeah, verse 2, the holy city. Then in verse um, 8, no, no mistake. And their dead bodies were lying in the street of the great city, which spiritually is Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So you can't allegorize that. You can't spiritualize. I mean, you can, but, but it's not good hermeneutics. This city, the holy city, it's not a holy city now. In fact, listen to it. You'll have to link verse, um, verse 2 with verse 8. In verse 2, it's referred to the holy city. And Jerusalem was the holy city. Only by reason of Jesus Christ having been there and ministered there, this, the temple of God being there, being the city of God where his name was. But now, verse 8, please notice verse 8. Verse 8 is the last reference to earthly Jerusalem in the Bible. Worth noting. Last reference. And the last reference to earthly Jerusalem in the Bible is this. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom. So when you go to Jerusalem for a misguided tour, <laughs> and I've been there, I've been to Jerusalem, I drank water out of Jacob's well, spat it out, I've been to the two places where Jesus was buried. <laughs> Both genuine, never felt a thing. Feel more the presence of God here this morning than I did there. So it's spiritually sodom. In fact, it so shocked me when I was there, I was trying to get some books and souvenirs from Jerusalem, and when I'm going through the book uh, rack there, when I see all this pornographic literature. Oh, shut it real quick. I didn't buy it, so okay, relax. <laughs> oh, I am in the holy city. Oh, this is the holy city. Look at all these books on sodomites and homosexual. Oh, oh, God, God, oh, this is the holy city. I'm in the holy city. <laughs> Sodom. Sodomite city. Sodomy. Ah, spiritually, that's how God sees it. So when you go to Jerusalem from this guy or two, you go to a city that's spiritually Sodom. How many would like to come to Sodom with me? <laughs> Let me say it. Next part. And Egypt. Now why Egypt? Alright. Sodom had two witnesses and was destroyed by fire and brimstone. Egypt had two witnesses and was destroyed by plagues. Now see, the city of Jerusalem... Sorry if I tread on any corns, we'll have a healing campaign at the end. This city of Jerusalem will eventually be destroyed by fire and brimstone when Jesus comes. And it's going to be destroyed by plagues. Because the plagues of Egypt are repeated again. So spiritually, 
It's Solomon. He's, and people say, oh, it's not referring to Jerusalem. That's the holy city. That's why all the fuss in Jerusalem today. It's where our Lord was crucified. So no mistake, earthly Jerusalem. So these two witnesses come to Jerusalem, which spiritually is Sodom and Egypt. So Sodom had two witnesses, Egypt had two witnesses, Jerusalem had two witnesses in this period of time. Okay, so their ministry, where are we up to here? Getting off on tangents here. Uh, we'll notice in verse, um, yeah, verse 6. I think I've got that. Yeah, verse 6. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of prophecy and have power to water, turn waters to blood and strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Now, the only two uh, people or prophets in the Bible that did that were who? The only one that shut up heaven and rained on for three and a half years, please, not seven years, was Elijah. So, even though they're not named here, their ministry is identified. And uh, we could spend a whole lot of time on, uh, a lot of the comment commentaries on this side do believe that one of the witnesses uh, is, uh, is Elijah. So shutting up heaven, he's already done that. And then who was the one that uh, had power over the waters to turn them to blood? Moses. And strike the earth with plagues? Moses. And you see in Revelation chapter 15, the ones who overcome the mark of the beast, what do they sing the song of? They sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. So I personally believe that Moses and Elijah are the two witnesses here. And uh, I think it's a very uh, significant thing here that if you look at the, uh, say, the 70-week prophecy as a whole, this, this is what you see. When Jesus came the first time, in the first three and a half years before he was crucified, uh, who, who, who turns up on the Mount of Transfiguration? Moses and Elijah. They've already been there. And what did they talk to Jesus about? They talked about his coming crucifixion and his ministry and everything like that. He had to be the fulfillment of all that Moses said and the law and the prophets. Then we have the overspreading. Now we have another three and a half years and we have indications of Moses and Elijah again turning up as the two witnesses. And I think the whole world, you know, with a lot of space age stuff and Star Wars and everything like this, Preparation, just preparing the mind for invasion from another planet. <laughs> Two weird guys have turned up in Jerusalem called Moses and Elijah. So half week, half week. They were there the first half and here the second half. All right, so that's the picture that we have. And then, uh, their, so their ministry, plagues, and this is why when we get into chapter 15, 16, all through there, the plagues, uh, very similar to what happened in Egypt, their preservation. God preserves them for three and a half years uh, during that time from, uh, from, uh, from anybody killing them. That's why if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth. And remember Elijah called out fire from heaven, destroyed those uh, people who came against him, devoured their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, they must be uh, killed in this manner. All right, so no doubt about that. So their, their preservation, their testimony, who are they going to testify about? And uh, I'd, I'd like to spend a lot of time on this, but all through the, all through the ministry of the Lord Jesus, we have uh, one or two mysterious persons turning up. When Jesus was born way back here, uh, three wise men turned up. Where did they come from? Who were they? Uh, when, um, 
when uh, Jesus was on uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, we know their name there, Moses Elijah turned up. Uh, at the, at the, at the uh, crucifixion, or at the uh, resurrection, there were two men clothed in white raiment sitting in the tomb. How did they get in there? What are they doing there? And they said, Jesus is risen. Then when Jesus ascends back to the Father, all of a sudden two men appear from nowhere in shining garment. And so what are you looking for? This same Jesus is going to come back again. So just through the life of Jesus, and this is dealt with in the book, by the way, yeah, we have these two mysterious people turning up. Now you see, in order for them to be true witnesses, a witness in the Bible must have seen and heard he must have seen with his two eyes and heard with his two ears before he can testify with one mouth. I know. You know you're glad I've only got one mouth. I could get twice as much said, couldn't I? He said, praise God, he hasn't. Okay. Alright, so they cannot be witnesses unless they have witnessed the major events of Christ's life. So I believe that these witness Christ's birth, and his transfiguration, his resurrection, his ascension, and now they're testifying of his coming again, his second coming. Okay? That's the picture. So, otherwise they don't have a complete testimony. They've got nothing to witness about. That's the picture. All right, their time limit, three and a half years. We don't need to labor that. Their judgments, fire, plagues on the earth, and so forth. Their death. Okay, after three and a half years, then we're told, and this is the first mention of the beast here, uh, after they finish te testimony, where are we? Uh, when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out, the bottomless pit will make war against them and overcome them and kill them. This is the first mention of this beast, the wild beast. Alright, so they have their, uh, their, their time limit, their judgments, their death. Then after, you'll notice a day for a year, we're told that uh, they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half. So a day for a year. They minister for three and a half years and then their bodies are dead uh, for three and a half days. They'll not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves and all upon the earth. And the thing is, you know, back in John's day, you'd never dream how it was possible. But with television now, no problem. Just all around the world, this can be seen. Here's the bodies of these two. We're not even going to bury them. We'll just leave them there. And you'll notice in verse 10, uh, They that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over and make merry. Have another little merry Christmas. <laughs> and they'll send gifts one to another. Because these two prophets, so these are two prophets, tormented them. And then after three and a half days, they have the resurrection. Now, you see, their, their, their life is very much like the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus ministered three and a half years. They ministered three and a half years. Jesus, uh, turn over to Luke's Gospel on this one. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. Luke, chapter 10. And you know, I, I, I know there's some people who just laugh at these things and sort of mock them and say, Oh, you think Moses and Elijah are going to turn up again? Yep. Just that simple. Otherwise, you get into allegorization of mental gymnastics and try and say, well, you know, uh, like, so one of the theories is that the two witnesses are the church and the, and the power of Elijah, uh, I mean, the power ministry of the church. Okay, these are the questions I ask while you turn to Luke 10. 
you thought I'd forgotten that I haven't. I okay. Uh, it's, it's not the ministry of the church. So it's just, you know, the, the theme is I've heard when I hear this. So, well, that's a picture of the Moses Elijah coming to the church. I said, well, the church, it's not the church's job to call down fire from heaven. On people, when the, when uh, when Jesus sent out the disciples there, and they wanted to go through the city of Samaria, they said, "Hey, will we do what Elijah did? Call down fire from heaven?" And Jesus said, "Hey, I didn't come to destroy men's lives. You don't know what spirit you are. So that's not our job. And it's not our job to smite the earth with plagues as often as we will." <laughs> I know some of you'd like to. <laughs> Maybe you'd like to stop the rain up here for three and a half years, but that's not our job. It's not the job. And then the weirdest thing is, see, I, I have a bunch of questions here. Remind me not to forget to remember what I said about the chapter ten. <laughs> you know, I got I got questions like this. Important questions to ask and to be answered concerning the various theories concerning who the two witnesses are. If the two witnesses are anyone else, people or companies, these questions need clear and consistent answer. How can the bodies of these two lay in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half days? So can you picture the Moses, Elijah company of the church? Look at all the bodies of the church lying in Jerusalem, unburied. Weird. How can they witness for three and a half years uh, if they're companies? So are we all tearing over to Jerusalem? And uh, is the city where our Lord crucified, was crucified literal or spiritually just symbolic? No mistake about it, it's where our Lord. And how can the church, that's called to save lives, call fire down from heaven on those who reject the gospel? Uh, some of you'd like to. And isn't the church's ministry to turn the waters to blood, smite the earthly plagues, close heaven that it rained off for three and a half years? And, and, and for the life of me, if it's the church, how can the beast overcome the church? And carry all our bodies over to Jerusalem. <laughs> and how will the world see the bodies of the two witnesses if they're the power ministry? So they just. How many of you know I feel pretty strong about some of these things? Are you picking that up at all? Okay. Listen to Luke chapter 10. Uh, just an excellent picture here. Just verse 1. Just verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. So you think, when Jesus chose the twelve apostles, he sent them out two by two. When Jesus chose the seventy, he sent them out two by two. And he sent them into every city whither he himself would come. So every city had two witnesses. This is what's happening in Revelation 11. Jesus sends these two witnesses, whither he himself will come. He's the third witness, the perfection of testimony. So back in the first three and a half years, Jesus sent them out two by two, the twelve and seventy. So every city had two witnesses preparing for Jesus is coming to the city. Jesus is coming to the city. It's already happened back there by way of example. It's going to happen here. Moses, Elijah, pointing to the coming law. Now, let me throw this in while we're on the way here. Uh, so, so I'm saying here that the ministry so corresponds to Christ. Christ ministered for three and a half years. They ministered for three and a half years. Uh, Jesus sent out two witnesses in every city. They are two witnesses. Uh, Jesus' ministry, this first half of the 70th week is mercy. This half of the week is judgment. 
This is actually manifestation of the Christ. Later on, it's going to be manifestation of the Antichrist. So we've got the two there. The first half is in mercy ministry. The other is the other side of Jesus. That's what we're looking at. Um, they, they experienced death. Jesus experienced death. Jesus died for three days and was raised after three days. They died for three and a half days. They raised after three days. So uh, Jesus' death, resurrection, and translation, their death, resurrection, translation. So they're just like the Lord. His witnesses. So much uh, correspondence there. Now, let me throw this on the way here. There are those expositors, and I'll say why, why the school I belong to doesn't hold that. Some uh, expositors say that the two witnesses are actually Enoch and Elijah. How many have heard that? Just, uh, just by way. So Enoch and Elijah. How many have heard that they're Moses and Elijah? Uh, how many haven't heard a thing? <laughs> how many are hearing something for the first time? All right, now, here, here's the problem. If, if Enoch, uh, and you'll have to listen carefully and just think along with me, it doesn't hurt to think. Um, <laughs> or does it? <laughs> it? It'll be easier tomorrow, I think. I think. Okay. Uh, if Enoch is one of the two witnesses, this is the argument. The argument is that in Hebrews chapter 9, 27, that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after death the judgment. So they say, well, Enoch has not died. He's got to keep his appointment with death. Then they say, Elijah uh, did not die. He's got to come back and keep his appointment with death. Moses died and was resurrected. How many you know about that? Moses died and was resurrected. See, uh, turn over to Jude quickly. Jude? Jude. Jude. Excellent little book out there by a um, close friend of mine on the epistle of Jude. Uh, Jude, 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 where are you? Jude? Okay. Yeah, listen, listen to Jude verse 9. <clears throat> and it says, Yet Michael, the archangel, and see, we're going to run into Michael in, in Revelation chapter 12, okay? Revelation chapter 11 we're looking at, so Revelation chapter 12, uh, we, we run into Michael. Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Not his soul, not his spirit, his body. And, and, and the implications here are, uh, are humongous. Isn't that a good word? It's powerful, humongous. Whatever it means. <laughs> Michael is the archangel of the resurrection. The devil is the archangel of death. So here's two archangels having a little fisticuff, little fight over the body of Moses prophet. Why? Because God buried Moses but God wants to raise him from the dead. Otherwise if the Jews had found his or if Israel had found his body they would have built a monument and had a, yeah, a holy city on that. God said nothing to do. Nothing to do. And so the archangel of resurrection, archangel of death fighting over the body of Moses and said the Lord rebuked thee so did not bring away the accusation. So Moses was raised from the dead and turned up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Elijah. So there. Now, if, he, if Enoch is... Oh, so what did I say on that for? Okay, Enoch did, did not die. Moses died and was resurrected. Uh, Elijah did not die. So the argument for that school holds that uh, Enoch and Elijah are to come back and die. Why? Okay, because it's appointed a man wants to die and after death the judgment. That's the argument. Now listen carefully. 
if Enoch is to die, and it's pretty clear on Elijah there's enough prophecies. Jesus said, Elijah's already come. John the Baptist came in the spirit of power of Elijah, not the body of Elijah. But he said, Eli and if you will receive it, Elijah is yet to come. Jesus used uh, the two Greek tenses there. Elijah has already come, and they understood he spoke of John. But John, when I asked John, are you Elijah? He said, no, I'm not Elijah. But John came in the spirit of power of Elijah, not the body of Elijah. He was not Elijah reincarnated. Okay? But Jesus said, okay, Elijah come if he will receive it. But Elijah is yet to come. Future tense. So Jesus uses both there. And then uh, uh, Malachi says that, that, that Elijah will come before, before the great and notable day of the Lord. So the uh, uh, great majority believe that. It's about whether it's Moses or Enoch. Now, here's the point. If Enoch is to come back and die, to keep the appointment of death, and it's appointed under man once to die and after death the judgment, it means that every living Christian on the face of the earth must die before Jesus comes to keep the appointment. Paul says, I've, got a, I've been shown a mystery. We will not all die. There's going to be a church alive and remain to the coming of the Lord. Is that what Paul teaches? So there's going to be a company of people who experience resurrection life and the change over to immortality and never die. Let me ask you some trick-it-to-truth questions. Did Jesus die for your sin? Yes. <laughs> Let's have another call. <laughs> Did Jesus die for your sin? Yes. Did Jesus take your uh, sickness and disease? Yes. Did Jesus die for you? Yes. Well, what are you going to die for? <laughs> there's more than that than meets the ear because there's going to be a generation that's alive to the coming of the Lord that will understand that. So, Jesus died for me. I've had my appointment with death because I died in Christ. And they will experience the changeover from mortality to immortality. Because when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, he's talking to two companies of people there. I am the resurrection to the dead, but I am the life to the living. So if Enoch is going to die, and everybody's got to keep the appointment with death, then not one Christian will be alive with the coming of the Lord. But Paul says, I've been shown a mystery. We're not all going to die. The dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, I'd like to be in that company, will be caught up together with them. And it's only then that that company of people will be able to say, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? You didn't get me. I got the uptaker, not the undertaker. <laughs> so if Enoch is to die, then God has left himself without witness of a church that never dies. And of a church that experiences the changeover from mortality to immortality, which Enoch did. And who could be a better picture? Not Moses the Lord, not Elijah the prophet, but Enoch the patriarch. Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied the second coming. And I've already said that. Three men translated in the Old Testament from earth to heaven, Enoch, Moses, Elijah. Moses and Elijah got their ministry here. 
Enoch, what are you doing up there? Having a holiday up in heaven? Why did God translate me to heaven for? Just for nothing. Just to sit on a cloud playing a one-string guitar. <laughs> uh, he fulfills his ministry, as I believe, by giving the book of Revelation to John, that messenger. So, the three of them. <laughs> so I would like to be in the Enoch company. I'd like to be in the Enoch generation that lives to the coming of the Lord and experiences the change over like he did. That's all dealt with in the book of Jude. <laughs> they're good little commercials, I think. They? <laughs> they're sort of not on my notes, but they sort of come out. <laughs> okay, where are we up to? So two witnesses, views, questions, outline measuring two witnesses. Okay. Okay, see if you can take this. I'm sorry you haven't got the binoculars. Now, you'll notice the language that's used of these two witnesses. Wow, I've got to move this way. Uh, what's the use of these two witnesses here? Let's see, here we go. I'll say it for you. Okay, so here we have the two witnesses. Now, remember on the other day I showed you with the golden lampstand how there was a progressive revelation of the lampstand. How many remember that? With everything you've got right through from Moses, one lampstand, uh, David, ten lampstands, uh, Zechariah, Daniel, uh, lampstands, and then the two olive trees. Now, in Revelation chapter 11, uh, when it speaks of my two witnesses, he identifies them. No mistake, he said, these two witnesses, these are two lampstands, and they are two olive trees. Now, what does that mean? Okay, they are olive trees in heaven. Listen carefully here. Uh, they are olive trees in heaven because the olive trees are connected to the golden bowl. The golden bowl, the source of the oil, the fullness of the Holy Spirit is the Lord Jesus Christ. They are my two witnesses. They're connected to Him. That's the heavenly picture. When they come to earth, they now become two golden lampstands to let their light shine in the midst of a darkened city of Jerusalem, which spiritually is Sodom and Egypt. So the olive tree is the heavenly aspect, connected to the bowl, but the lampstand, because you see the church, in Revelation chapter 12, she is taken out or preserved in this period of time, while Jewry has these two witnesses. So that's the picture that we have. And you'll notice the different designations for them. I'll put down the bottom here. Sorry that this is so small. Uh, two or three witnesses in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Every word we've established. Witness can only speak with their one mouth what they've seen with their two eyes and heard with their ears. So unless they have had a, a complete witness of Christ, they've got nothing to testify about. Alright, now these two witnesses are called two olive trees, the olive oil, the anointing. They are called, number two, two golden lampstands. Number three, they are called the two anointed ones. Number four, in the marginal reference of your authorized Bible, they are called the sons of oil, the two sons of oil. Number five, in Revelation 3, 11, 3, they are called two witnesses. Number six, in Revelation 11, 10, they are called two prophets. And then... Link it up with Daniel 12 again. And Daniel 8, 
Daniel sees two saints. And one saint was talking to the other saint. And one saint said to the other saint, How long is it going to be to the end of these wonders? And one saint said to the other saint, standing on the sides of the river, Time, times, and half a times. Wow. Do you think that John and Daniel were seeing the same thing? Well, they are. The same truth. Alright, now one thing more before we take a break. Why don't you turn over to uh, Zechariah chapter 12. How many feel good about these things? How many like the divine jigsaw puzzle? Okay, turn over to Zechariah chapter 12 and uh, just say comment here. I'm right on my time, aren't I? Yeah. That's right. 10, 30, 11, 20. Okay. Yeah, we'll finish up on this. Okay. In Zechariah chapter 12, we have, uh, and, and I believe it's very apropos with what's going on in the Middle East today with Jerusalem, and I see Jerusalem's going to be a hot, hot, hot potato, and uh, but this chapters 12, 13, and 14, Ezekiel are on us. So listen to some of them. Verse... Uh, Verse uh, 2, Zechariah 12, verse 2. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about. New King James says a cup of drunkenness. Some say a cup of poison. So Jerusalem, a cup of trembling to all the people round about when they will be in the siege both against Judah and Jerusalem. And remember the 70-week prophecy concerns Judah and Jerusalem, not basically the church. Then in verse 3, look what else he says. In that day which is used about 12 times in this chapter. That day, that day, that day, will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone, a very heavy stone. So two things about Jerusalem. It's going to be a cup of poison, a cup of trembling, uh, a cup of drunkenness. Number two, going to be a burdensome stone for all people that burden themselves with it. It shall be covered, cut in peace. So all the people of the earth shall be gathered against. So all the discussion about Jerusalem, what we're going to do with it, Jerusalem, I can assure you, is not going to be a city of peace until Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is accepted. You cannot have Prince of Peace. Remember, as, G as God looks down the city of Jerusalem now, this very moment, it's spiritually Sodom and Egypt. So God's putting the pressure. Then, listen to verse 4. In that day I will smite every horse with astonishment, uh, rider with madness, and I will open my eyes upon the house of Judah. God's eyes have been closed over Israel because, see, what has happened? Look at this just a little bit here. See, uh, Jewry, okay, I've got here. Jewry was the uh, nation that, that uh, received the first coming and the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the first half of the seventh week, but only a remnant, remnant theology, only a remnant accepted it. That was the early church, 2,000, 2,000 multitudes of men and women, that the nation as a whole was blind, blinded. So first coming, first half, first outpouring of the Spirit, remnant, etc. Since then, God in this overspreading period, since then, then God has been visiting the Gentiles to take out of them a people for His name. So God's been pouring out His Spirit on the Gentiles while the Jews are in blindness. God is putting the pressure on Jerusalem and Jewry today, and it's going to get worse. 
It's not going to be peace because it's preparation for second coming, second outpouring of spirit in which a lot of them will get their eyes open. Listen to the rest of the chapter and then we'll take a break. Give me a couple of minutes extra here. I'll let you off early before. So, so verse 4, I'll open my eyes upon the house of Judah. And then verse 6, the last part of verse 6. I'm just giving it only time to... And Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place, even in Jerusalem. So we talk about a divided city. God says here. Now listen to verse 7. And the Lord shall also save the tents of Judah first. That the glory of the house of Dan, the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, do not magnify themselves against Judah. Verse 9, should come to pass in that day, I'll seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. So, there's going to be hot potato, copper poison, copper trembling, burdensome stone, heavy stone, too hot to handle. Now, verse 10 is the climax. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and what's going to be the result under the outpouring of the spirit of grace and supplication they will mourn and the key word from now on is mourn mourn for him as one mourns for his only begotten son safe to say you only mourn for a son when you've lost him and they shall be in bitterness for him as one is in bitterness for his firstborn Firstborn of Mary, firstborn of the Father. In that day there will be a great mourning in Jerusalem, as, as the mourning of Hadrian women, and in the valley of Megiddo, and the land shall mourn every family apart, the, the, the family of the house of David apart, the royal family, and their wives apart, the family of the house of Nathan apart, and their wives apart, the prof prophetical family, and the family of the house of Levi apart, the priestly family. Verse 1. In that day there will be a fountain opened to the house of David for sin and uncleanness. Wow, just go there. And then they end up in chapter 13, verse 6. They will say, what are these wounds on your hands? So what I'm saying is a summarize here. I believe the pressure is going to come on in Jerusalem, going to keep there right through to the end, and that God is just in preparation here for this final half of the week. Two witnesses turn up, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, somewhere, you know, exact timing that's in God's covenant, not mine. Uh, and many of them will get their eyes open, be grafted back into the olive tree by faith in Christ. So it's like God said, I came first coming, first half, first coming, first the outpouring of the Spirit, only you remnant believe. Since then, blindness is in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Then, you will turn back to Israel and have their eyes open and an outpouring of the Spirit be ready for the second coming. That just gives you a good overall picture. Have you learned anything in this? Yes. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.